250 for a highball and a buck and a half for a beer. You are stumbling back in to the Taking All Wrong podcast. Happy 19, 2019, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the wrongies a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we really appreciated you uh, following along with that. And if you haven't yet, please do go back and listen to the wrongies, the uh, 2018 Gopher Football Awards show. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us. I am your host, J.D. Mill, and we will be uh, flipping up the script a little bit as we head into uh, being more of a basketball-centric show. I did tell you throughout football season that we'd keep rolling on uh, into basketball season, and here we are. Um, at least for one week, we'll see uh, how things continue to go. But I am joined tonight by a voice that you have become familiar with on these airwaves it is mr west coast jake good evening sir good evening jd i'm uh, happy to be here as always i've got my tv on watching rutgers hold a late lead over nebraska and makes me very thankful for wins of any kind in the big 10 even of the one point at home to a below average team variety it, it definitely uh, is feeling that way. We tat- chatted for a minute um, before uh, we hit the record button here that Rutgers beating Nebraska did beat uh, Ohio State. So who knows really outside of, uh, you know, Michigan and Michigan State, I guess even Michigan lost to Wisconsin over the weekend, who we'll talk a little bit more about. Tough to say what goes on with, uh, with, with uh, Big Ten Hoops. Wanna um, before we get into any specifics, I want to say a big thank you to you. Uh, Jake is a Gopher men's basketball season ticket holder, and I had mentioned to him at some point, I think during the football season, that I had never been to a Gopher basketball game at Williams Arena. I've been to Williams Arena many times for uh, other events, but to my recollection anyways uh i had never been to a gopher men's basketball game so uh jake invited me to attend the uh, penn state game over the weekend so first of all thank you for that and uh one thing that i had commented to you about that i wanted to take a minute to chat about tonight was um how how um engaged and how knowledgeable the gopher basketball crowd seems to be um, talk, talk a little bit. And again, this was just a singular experience for me, but uh, do you, do you find that to be the case on a regular basis? I think for the most part uh, it, it is, I think, you know, the barn just has a ton of potential from an atmosphere perspective. Uh, I grew up going to games with my dad uh, at Williams arena and he would always say, you know, when the barn is on and the basketball team is really doing well, it's the best sporting event you can attend uh, in, in Minneapolis, bar none. And I think, well, that's certainly not the case today because we sort of haven't had a consistently great basketball team in, in years and years. I think you still see sparks and flashes of that. Um, you see the crowd really get into it. Um, you, you see an understanding of, when the team is on a run and you need to really amp up the volume on defense, uh, when it's time to boo a horrendous call, which we got several opportunities to do uh, on Saturday <laughs> night, or when the team's struggling a little bit and, and really needs that possession to help out. I think uh, the student section leads it. They generally do a, a really solid job. Um, but yeah, I think you know the crowd consistently is a, a really strong atmosphere. Saturday night games help. Um, having a couple beers at Sturbs beforehand helps, but I, I've always liked uh, going not only because, you know, I am sort of more of a basketball fan and understand the game a little bit better than football, but, but to me, it seems like, you know, the crowd engagement is really there. And for whatever reason in basketball, it feels like you can almost impact the game a little bit, whether it's defensive momentum, the other team missing a free throw, whatever the case may be. And so, it feels like you're getting a, a return out of really, you know, standing up and, and yelling at full volume, which is always fun. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because <clears throat> uh, we happen to sit, you and I happen to sit in the same section for football games. Um, and 
I think our section is pretty engaged as far as the people that are normally there. You know, we sit, uh, myself and Frothy sit kind of closer to the field, but, and we tend to have a little bit of a transient uh, situation around us where, you know, we've got some people right behind us that are season ticket holders for a long time and um, sort of in the row in front of us, but it, but it's sort of, it sort of fluctuates. And I don't know if um, it's the nature of just being a football game or the nature of it just being a much bigger, like literally physically bigger atmosphere. I don't feel like uh, the football crowd is as engaged, but the thing that you just mentioned that um, I think is interesting that I hadn't thought of was when you're in a more intimate um setting like that there is some sense that you feel like you you can um impact the outcome or impact what's happening whether it be booing the refs heartily and they go and review a a a foul call which they inevitably never overturn or yeah you finally get that okay we're starting to uh make a little bit of a comeback everybody stand up and really cheer uh it really was a a fun atmosphere and i, I really enjoyed it so i, I thank you for um, allowing me to be a, a part of that with you um we do want to go ahead and uh start chatting a little bit about <clears throat> some of the games specifically we haven't talked hoops um on this podcast since the win over nebraska which was uh probably Geez, it must be about six weeks ago now. So uh, the Gophers did uh, obviously wrap up their non-conference schedule with four wins to close out December um, in mostly, I guess, unexciting fashion other than, I, uh, I guess, a small scare from North Florida. And then they kicked off 2019 and the remainder of the Big Ten season with uh, a big win uh, over Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. Uh, that's all the setup I'm going to give you, Jake. I know uh, you're not a huge fan of Wisconsin. First of all, talk to us about that game and maybe what it meant for this program. Um, and secondly, uh, tell us if Wisconsin is any good. Yeah, let's let's start with the good stuff. I I like the way we're we're getting rolling, um, getting back into the Big Ten games. Um, you know, huge, huge win at Wisconsin. When Wisconsin's good, they're very, very difficult to beat at the Kohl Center. Uh, when they're not good, they're still very difficult to beat at the Kohl Center. Uh, many people have said that the refereeing there tends to be very one-sided. Uh, I won't comment at length on that, but suffice it to say that it feels like when you go to Madison, you need to be about 12 points better um, to, to win the game. And we went in there and, and won by seven and more or less controlled the game start to finish. I mean, y- yes, it, it absolutely got scary down the stretch. And as a Gopher fan, it was, you know, similar to the third quarter of the Axe game where maybe it's not rational that you expect to lose, but you expect to lose for a little bit. But then you look back and you see Wisconsin never had the ball down by one possession in the second half. So they never even had a chance to tie or take the lead. Um, The closest they got was uh, Trice, I believe, hit a floater to bring them within two. And then we went down and Amir Coffee hit that shot to make it a two possession game again. And then uh, Dupree sealed it with a couple great defensive plays and, and run outs the other way. So definitely a big victory. Um, Wisconsin was on a little bit of a skid. They had lost something like five out of six, uh, five out of their last six against major uh, college competition. But then they turn around and, and beat Michigan over the weekend and, so even though they're tied with us in the conference standings at four and three, uh, the net and Kent and Palm both have them in the top 15 for some ungodly reason. So, you know, I think that's going to look like a really strong win and is frankly a good enough win that at the end of the year, if that's your best looking win on paper with respect to your resume, that's going to be a plus as it relates to getting in the NCAA tournament. Um, is Wisconsin good? Well, a lot of our fans don't think we're particularly good, and we went on the road and beat them by seven. Uh, that speaks for itself. Boom. Uh, they, lost to, <laughs> they lost to Western Kentucky. They've lost to 
Purdue, Maryland, those are good team. Um, obviously, Michigan wins a big one for them, at least from the perspective of they had a few of their own fans kind of calling out Doomsday and saying they're in danger of missing the tournament. They'll make the NCAA tournament. They'll probably win a game, and then hopefully they'll get like Duke or someone in the in the second round so that we can see them get pasted by 40 or 50 points. Um, they're a fine team. They're in that tier of Big Ten teams where it's it's a great win if you can go get one on the road, and we did. Uh, I I think I heard some ridiculous stat like after Saturday, they're like they've won six out of eight tries against top ten teams that have come into the Cole Center over the last ten years or something like that. I mean, it's just ridiculous the the advantage whatever it is. Uh, at the Cole Center in Madison, so uh, who knows if they're uh, what 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 the rest of the season holds for them? The Gophers will get another crack at them uh, later in the regular season uh, at Williams Arena, but uh, that is a team that's v- definitely difficult to beat at home, and for the Gophers to uh, go in and do that this season uh, was was a definitely a big win. So since that game, which was sort of the first. It's not the first game of the Big Ten season because they had the the early games against Ohio State and Nebraska, but that was the first game of uh, sort of the re-engaging, I guess, of the Big Ten schedule. So since then, um, I mean, I guess I would say we've we've seen pretty underwhelming results. The Gophers um, led a red-hot Maryland team at halftime only to lay an egg in the second half. Um, Took care of business against a poor, well, poor Rutgers team. I don't know their... They're uh, beating or tied up with uh, Nebraska right now. Yeah, Um, they go down to uh, Champaign and get uh, absolutely embarrassed. I mean, absolutely embarrassed uh, by a bad Illinois team, uh, an Illinois team that was over in the Big Ten Conference at that point. Um, And then uh, almost lost the game. I mean, it looked like they were going to lose. To Penn State, they did fight back and uh, beat Penn State on Saturday, which, uh, again, we were at the game. So four and three in conference, three and two uh, since the new year started. Um, Are we where you thought we'd be at this point, Jake? I think four and three is probably right where you realistically thought we'd be. Yeah, I think you hope for uh, five and two especially after going in and, and beating Wisconsin in Madison. I think coming out of the Maryland loss, leaving the barn, I certainly felt a little disappointed. We had won by 15 or we had lost by 15. Um, we had been ahead at half, but I, I did think, wow, that's a very talented team. And they just picked up their second conference loss tonight. So they've, they've been on a roll. That's a quality Maryland team. There's, you know, You'd love to defend your home court, but there's sort of no shame in uh, losing the losing to Maryland with the caliber of talent they have. A couple surefire NBA draft picks in the front court, and then just an amazing college player at at Cowan at the point guard. And then, you know, do what we're supposed to do against Rutgers, uh, against Illinois, which is a a tricky team. That's not an excuse for the loss, but they play a little bit differently. There's a lot of pressure. Um, still a hostile road environment because they were a very, very good program for a long time. So still a tough place to play. Uh, By no means an excusable loss, but you think, well, at Wisconsin sort of built up a game of cushion and then we we give that back a little bit. And then um, chip in a chair at halftime against Penn State, pull out a one-point win. Um, You know, the advanced stats, the net, the Ken Palms don't love us right now. And it makes sense with how we've looked in some of our wins and definitely how we've looked in every single one of our losses. Uh, but just scratch and claw and, and grab wins. If you can grab six, seven more wins, those advanced stats will start to look better. The resume's already got a couple really nice victories on it. And so, yeah, right about where I thought we'd be. Did, did I hope we'd build up some cushion and potentially not have to sweat on selection Sunday? Uh, yes, and I'm still hoping that, but it sort of feels like we're tracking for that 10 to 11 win mark in conference and, and sit there and hope that we make it in. So we'll see, but but not far off by any means. 
Yeah, it's uh, like you said, I <clears throat> seems like four and three is you probably take that at this point. I think that where the wins and losses came from might be a little bit of a surprise, but uh, uh, it sort of is what it is at this point. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll take that as far as the, the look backwards. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and talk with talk some uh, non-revenue roundup. Uh, with a new addition to the Taken All Wrong podcast. And then Jake and I will come back and talk a little bit about just what the hell is going on with this Gopher basketball offense before we look at a tough week of games coming up. You are listening to Taken All Wrong. Back to Taking All Wrong. We appreciate you joining us once again. Uh, wanted to take some time today. One thing we started doing uh, in the fall was to bring you what we called the non-revenue roundup. And this was our opportunity to tell you a little bit about what was happening with Gopher um, non-revenue sports, kind of to put a quick spotlight on U of M sports that don't normally get as much attention. And the problem is that I just drop the ball on it, or I guess in this case, maybe I dropped the spotlight, but um, we wanted to fix this. Uh, now that football's over and we, we're paying attention to uh, go for basketball and there's a lot of different things going on, we wanted to try and fix that. And so to that end, I am excited to introduce uh, the Taken All Wrong listeners to our new non-rev roundup correspondent. Uh, she has been with us uh, previously to talk about the $5 Bits of Broken Chair Trophy, and will going forward be our non-revenue roundup correspondent. It's Stepper. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, JD. Thanks for having me back. I feel like I won some sort of fantasy camp prize or something. Well, here's here's the prize that you have actually won. In my heart and in my soul, you are the greatest of all Gopher fans. And, and for the taking all wrong folks, we will talk about this uh, at, at another time. I want to I want to um, bring Stepper on to talk about something that she did last year, what, which she called the Year of the Gopher, and she attended uh, a home sporting event of every single Gopher sport, which uh, I can absolutely tell you that I have never done. And outside of probably uh, people who go to the university or uh, work for the university or specifically the athletic department, um, most people probably have not done that. So I couldn't think of anybody better to uh, to have in this role. So uh, if there's any prize that you've won, it's that you're the champion of my heart. Oh, that's very sweet. I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to make it weird. Didn't mean to make it weird. Well, listen, uh, the first thing we want to talk about uh, for this non-rev roundup is the 2019 National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And um, I understand that there's a little bit of history here, but uh, wanted to hear a little bit about how the Gophers will be celebrating it this year. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure of the history either. The first I'd heard of this holiday in general was when that whole Steph Curry shoe situation that went viral happened, and he very sweetly invited a young girl out to attend the Warriors game that they were doing for National Women and Girls in Sports Day. So that was the first I'd heard of it. And then, lo and behold, a couple weeks later, we get this email, and the, the tweets go out, and the Facebook page and the website all go up saying that the Gophers are celebrating as well. So what's going to be going down is um, they're, they're offering a $30 package that includes uh, admission to five different women's sports that are going on over the course of the weekend. And it also includes one of those Love Your Melon beanie hats uh, that are the, the fundraising, uh, I think, cancer research fundraising hats. So you get one of those that's, that's gopher colored and you get admission. And so they've got women's tennis is going on all weekend. Uh, so they usually, their meets just kind of go all day long for a couple of days when they rotate through schools. They usually host more than one school. Um, and then women's hockey, women's gymnastics, and women's basketball are also 
having games that weekend. So it includes admission to all of those. And they're also doing some fun events where, like, the women's gymnastics team will stay after their meet and meet with fans. Uh, they're having it, they're, they're calling it a kids' press conference. So I'm not really sure what the setup will look like there, but it sounds like they'll be asking, answering questions from young fans that are there. And then the women's hockey arena will also have a bunch of stuff going on in the concourse activities and um, I think signature opportunities and things like that too. So um, women's hockey is playing UMD on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, women's basketball is playing Rutgers and gymnastics is, I think it's just a singular duel or whatever they call it, um, where they're just going against one school. So that's against uh, Michigan state. So that whole weekend will just be set up. So bring your kids, bring whoever, and there's a lot of cool events to check out. Yeah, so it just seems like a really awesome opportunity for a couple of things. First of all, to get out to see some athletes who deserve our support and and familiarize yourself um, with some other uh, other sports in the Gopher universe other than what we typically focus on here, which is football and basketball. Um, but then the other thing is just to get an opportunity to get um, young people out, young girls specifically, to to see these sports and um, um, have something cool to aspire to is really awesome. And uh, for thirty dollars, uh, it's it's quite a deal. And those, I mean, that's probably worth it, even just for the love your melon hat. I mean, those things are uh, people go crazy over that stuff. So um, yeah, they look a, real cozy. I don't I don't have one yet myself, so might might yeah. have to go and pick one of those up. There you the go. The great part about these. The great part about these sports is that they they really do a nice job of accommodating fans when they're there. Like they really encourage a lot of the, of the the youth fans that come out and families and everything. They do a great job of being accessible to that. The crowds are usually smaller, and so it's a more intimate experience. And they really more actively appreciate their fan bases, I guess, since they they see their regulars pretty frequently. So it's it's nice for them when they can get some big crowds in there and they really appreciate it. You can, you can very easily tell. That's really cool. That's really cool. So that's coming up uh, Saturday and Sunday, February 2nd and 3rd. So you got a couple weeks uh, to get your tickets for that and go out and support the Gophers. Um, the other thing that uh, you wanted to talk about was a bit about Gopher wrestling, who um, I understand from uh, following along a little bit on Twitter um, and some other folks who uh, who follow the program that they're having uh, having a pretty good season. Tell us what's been going on with uh, Gopher wrestling. Uh, yeah, they've been having a pretty good year. Um, they were they've been ranked kind of between. I think they started the year closer to seventh. I think they dropped a little bit after losing some tough duels here. Um, but they just came off a big weekend where they won against Illinois and Northwestern. Uh, it got some pins in there too. Uh, Backpack, Lezak, and uh, Mitch McKee both scored pins within a couple minutes of each other to, to kick off the Northwestern duel, which is pretty exciting. My uh, Big Ten to-go feed had not started yet at that point. I was watching the blue screen. And it kicked in the boat after that, and I find out I missed two pins. So luckily, Gophers, Gopher Sports did a great job of tweeting out the highlights, but uh, that was a fun duel to watch. And then um, Gable Stevenson, of course, who's just been trucking everybody. He's the number one heavyweight in the country. He's a true freshman here from Apple Valley. Uh, he got a pin in the Illinois uh, bout uh, against a gentleman named Deuce, who I believe they're still digging out of the mat. He just drove that guy hard. So uh, that was very exciting to watch as well. So they're coming off a big weekend. Um, they are at Wisconsin coming up and then home against Purdue, I believe, coming up. And they've also got a very interesting uh, meet set up against Ryder, I believe it is, that uh, it's at Northrop Auditorium, actually. So I'm not sure how the seating and everything is going to work for that, but they're hosting a, their final home meet of the year at Northrop Auditorium. So I'm very excited that my season ticket includes includes that because I'm very, very interested to see the majesty of Northrop Auditorium and then a bunch of sweaty violence. So that'll be fun. Nice. I saw some uh, video, I think, on Twitter over the weekend, I believe it was, with uh, Gable Stevenson and 
Brock Lesnar uh, having a bit of a, a practice session or something. Um, what's what's what do you hear about that? Was Brock just in the building doing some work or? What, I think what, so. Uh, I think they're starting. They've got their new uh, facility that you might have seen. They they did like a little walking tour video of the new facility. They turned the old football weight room into a big wrestling room for the um, for the wrestling team. It's got five or six mats in there so they've got a much nicer space now so i think they've been bringing some people through to check out the new facility i know they've got some of brock's championship belts either scripted or real mma belts um on display in the in their trophy case which i think it's very funny just to see a a wwe belt sitting (laughs) next to an, an actual mma ufc championship belt as if those two are the same thing but nonetheless it's so I think he probably came through to tour that. Um, they had Randy Couture there, actually, at their last home meet, uh, I think, wow. against Iowa. Randy Couture, like, was talking to the team before. So I think they're just bringing some people through to check out the facility and uh, finalize the last of their funding, probably. Wow. But uh, it's, 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 it's an exciting time to be a Gopher Wrestling fan. I've only been a – this is only my second year of being a season ticket holder, and I feel ridiculous for wasting my whole undergrad having ever gone to a meet – it's a it's a great fan base. It's it's probably the most fun crowd that you can be in. So I really recommend everybody check out a meet because every single person there knows what's going on, knows the intricacies, and this is the best crowd I've ever seen at yelling very specific and very clever things at referees. Wow! You cannot beat the wrestling crowd for for referee abuse. So for that and that alone, you should come check out a meet. That's really cool. Did you have any any background or? previous experience with wrestling or was this just a sport that you sort of started enjoying with your year of the gopher uh well that was the first time i'd been to a meet actually and was sold immediately and went and signed up for the rest i went to their first meet last year and signed up for season tickets like that afternoon i had a blast but uh yeah kind of i've been i've been dabbling and learning some new new sports here in my old age so i'm i'm excited to get involved. I do feel a little ridiculous. The people next to me are helping me out a lot with, with the minutiae of the sport. I get the gist of it, and I know the big the big rules, but uh, Ben Dawson actually has been helping me out quite a bit, too. He, he's noticed that I'm going to a lot of meets, so our, our my friend and yours, Ben Dawson, has been, has been helping to instruct me, but my neighbors in my season ticket area have been very helpful. As they see I'm trying to get into it, they're helping me with some more of the minutiae, which is nice. That's really but it's, great. It's very fun just to to be there, and, and Gable is just something to see. So if if for no, no other reason, just go and see Gable have his way with heavyweights that are not used to being manhandled. He's just I don't I, I'm so used to it, like the Gopher way being, you know, classy and whatever else. That's seeing a guy that's really leaning into his heel reputation. He's amping the crowd up while he's got a guy he's got a guy kind of face down on the mat and he's waving his arms up asking for us to cheer louder and he's uh he's kind of a bully out there and it's it's kind of fun to be rooting for for the heel character a little bit so nice it's a great time I, I recommend it to everyone a bit of a showman on the mat huh sure is very cool very cool well hey we appreciate the uh, updates we will definitely. Uh, try to have you back on uh, for all of the podcasts going forward to get some snippets here and there. Uh, certainly want to hear more about wrestling and and uh, maybe get a recap of uh, uh, National Girls and Women in Sports Day for, for the Gophers. So we appreciate Stepper coming out. Again, she is the new uh, non-rev roundup correspondent for the Taken All Wrong podcast. The podcast rolls along. We'll be right back to wrap up on the basketball talk. You are listening to the Top Pod. Welcome back into Taking All Wrong. Freshen up your drinks, folks. Uh, We're about to talk a little bit more basketball. But first, I want to take a second to remind you that uh, we are sponsored here at Taking All Wrong by our new friends from Tix Blitz, the official ticket provider of the Armchair Media Network. Unlike other ticketing providers that sneak in extra fees, Tix Blitz, the price you see is the price you pay. Unnecessary fees shouldn't prevent you 
from seeing the event that you want to see, go to TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Enter the promo code armchair at checkout. You will receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Promo chair, or excuse me, promo code armchair, tick splits, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. Welcome back in. As I said, to taking all wrong, we're going to talk a little bit more hoops with West Coast Jake. And Jake, one thing we definitely want to talk about, we saw on full display uh, at the barn on Saturday with Penn State. Uh, this offense, or, or lack thereof, is a major concern. The Gophers are averaging 73, or 74.3 points per game, good for 163rd in the nation. Um, but it seems like things have really sort of compounded lately as far as uh, just having some struggles. To me, it just doesn't look like there's a plan out there on the floor. Um, we saw several possessions uh, against Penn State on Saturday where the Gophers just I mean, where was the ball going? What were we doing? Just struggling to find a shot as the shot clock was expiring. Uh, it was really, really frustrating to watch. Uh, what do you make of what is going on with this offense? So I think there's a couple factors. Um, one, uh, as it relates to situations and late shot clock, and I think you saw it a little bit against Penn State. Um you definitely saw it a little bit against Wisconsin. It's a frustration I have with our team. When we have a lead late, we tend to take the air out of the ball quite a bit and sort of hope that we'll spend 28 seconds, get something other than a shot clock violation and be able to play enough defense to hold on. Uh, That formula worked for us against Wisconsin. It barely worked for us against Penn state. Uh, Personally, you know, I think our identity is sort of first running and getting out on a, on the break. Second, getting the ball down low to post players. And then third, uh, getting shots up and going after them on the glass. Trying to sit on the ball and, and run the shot clock down sort of takes us out of all three of those things. And so I get that there's a time and a place for it. Um, I think we've probably gone to that well a little bit too soon and a little bit too frequently. And so that's some of the ugliness you've seen at the end of a couple of our wins. Um, in terms of our offense in general, man, we, we can't shoot. I'm looking at Ken Palm right now and we're 282nd in the country in three point percentage. Um, if you grab the random casual college fan off the streets and ask them how many division one teams are in basketball, I bet they would say under 282. I bet they wouldn't know there are 300-plus teams in college basketball. Yet we're 282nd in three-point percentage. We also take nearly the fewest three-pointers um, as, percent- as a percentage of our total points in the country, which means the threes we do take are probably pretty good looks, and we should be hitting them at an above-average rate. 282nd. Our two-point shooting, free-throw shooting doesn't look any better. Um, What we're elite at remains offensive rebounding and getting to the free-throw line, which plays back into our need to get out and run on the fast break. I wish we would run even more than we do. I wish we would just press the pace, press the pace. And then the need to to get it down low uh, and work the ball through our post players. And I, I think those are the general principles that our team has on offense. I just don't think we consistently stick to them and and pound them into all of our players' heads enough. And when we get do when we do get dragged into a half court game, um, we have to rely on shot making, and and that gets ugly fast. Yeah, you and I were just uh, you specifically, but me r- rubbed off on me on Saturday, just screaming every time we got a rebound, go go go, push push. Um, just trying to get them to push the pace because anytime uh, the Gophers would get into a half-court offense, it was just, uh, I mean, what what are we going to see here? Um, you mentioned free throws and, and getting to the line. Um, thankfully, the Gophers did shoot uh, 73% 
from the line on Saturday, which uh, certainly is a big reason why they were able to win the game. Um, obviously winning, winning by one point. Um, but yeah, the, this team seems like it, it needs to get out. You know, one, one thing I'm uh, that, that just blows my mind is, you know, early in the season, I mean, Gabe Kalsher, it was like, this guy is some kind of manna from heaven. Uh, he, he can score. He's a three-point shooter. He's a great shooter. And all of a sudden, the last few games, it's like, we can't, we, we don't have a plan to get this guy open. And I don't know what, what, what your thoughts are on that or, or, or if you, if you want to expound on that at all, but I mean, the guy is missing in action. I know he did have foul trouble on, on a Saturday against Penn state, but this guy should, I feel like this guy should be a bigger part of what's going on with our offense. And we just can't find a way to get him open. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. Uh, Look, he's been slumping a little bit, but he's still pretty clearly your best three point shooter, right? He's even with his recent slump, he's still shooting 38% from beyond the arc way above the team average. Uh, well above Dupree McBrayer, who's still at a still, you know, okay, 33%. Um, pretty good as it relates to our team's average. But, you know, you'd love to get Gabe sort of one to two set plays a game that get him open looks and see if you can get him going. Um, and then, you know, you'd it also plays back into the get out and run and fast break. If you think about in the Wisconsin game, Cal Shure only had three points, but it was on a fast break opportunity where we got the ball on a turnover missed shot and coffee pushed it right down court and Gabe sprinted to the corner and had a wide open look and, and drained it. So it is, it's running him a couple set plays a game to get him good looks. And then I think he, he will have opportunities come to him as well. If we're able to get out on the break a little bit more and, get in the open floor where the defense starts to scramble. Um, I'm also surprised with how many offensive rebounds we get that we don't get, you know, kickouts where we find him for an open look on the sort of second chance bucket more often, because he's a really smart player in terms of being able to find the open spot and move to where the defense is not. And so, you know, I, I don't think you necessarily need to run your offense through him by any means. He is a bit of a, let the game come to you type player. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him that, de- you know, definitely he should be getting up five, six, seven threes at, at least per game. And in, in terms of shot attempts, we talked, uh, I, I asked you as we were walking out of, uh, walking out into the freezing cold Minneapolis air on Saturday night, whose responsibility is the offense. And it's just partially my ignorance as far as basketball, if there's, a coach whose job that is. And, and you said, no, that's, that's Patino's responsibility. It's his responsibility to, to come up with the offensive game plan. Are, are you just of the opinion at this point that this team just needs to figure out a better way to push the pace because we've got the athletes for it? Or is there something else you think that we could be doing to manufacture some offense? I think it's it's pushing the pace and it's working the ball through Jordan Murphy and to a lesser extent Oturu and and Curry in the post and I think uh, I think PJ Flex said this after he fired Rob Smith but the the system is the system so I, I don't think Richard Patino's half court offense is is necessarily broken I think it's a little bit of an awkward mix of players to run it right now which speaks to his roster management, which has been less than ideal. And, uh, you know, car not getting cleared by the NCAA certain doesn't, certainly doesn't help things. But the core principle of his offense is basically free-flowing between the guards out on the perimeter, look for a guy to get a one-on-one advantage where he can attack the basket, uh, and then set screens using the post players and sort of opportunistically pick and roll and or find low post feeds. Uh, but it's really predicated on movement between those three guys up front and then attacking and, and beating your guy off the dribble. Um, and we aren't starting a true point guard. Amir Coffey's a really talented player, talented facilitator, scorer, 
good defender when he wants to be, but he's not going to consistently take take a point guard defender off the bounce. And, you know, Cal Schuers, at least in, at this stage, more of a shooter. Um, McBrayer can, can get to the basket, but he pulls up just as often as he finishes at the rim. And so y- you sort of have a team that's a little bit of a weird fit for the half-court offense and is much better suited to playing really strong, tough defense and then getting out and running off of, you know, basically every missed shot, every turnover, every opportunity you can. So, you know, I think with the right players, Patino's offense would look just fine. The adjustment I'd like to see him make is pound the ball down low. You know that the the advantage is not going to be beating guys off the dribble a lot of the time. Pound it in the post, make those double teams come on Jordan Murphy, swing it around because then the defense is out of position and you might get a coffee or McBrayer attack to the rim or you might get Gabe some more open looks. Um, that's the adjustment I'd like to see. I, I don't think it's super complex. I'm not at practice. I'm, I'm sure he does hone in on it to, to some degree, but I'd like that to be, you know, a, a pretty significant focal point here going forward. I'm glad you brought up point guard. I, as, as you were talking before you said that, I actually jotted down true point guard question mark um, because I'm, I was curious about how much, you know, I, I think Washington is probably the closest thing that we have to a true point guard. Um, on this team, but I don't think you'd call him a traditional point guard. And I don't think we're at a point with him yet where he creates. And I'm not sure if it's because he's pressing a little bit um, or, or what exactly it is. But um, yeah, I was, I was curious your thoughts on uh, how the point guard um, <clears throat> plays into this. So uh, g- going again, off script, not discussed in our uh, pre-production meetings, but uh, you and I did talk when we were in the in the uh, arena on Saturday. Um, basically, your belief, if I understood correctly, is uh, Patino makes the tournament this year and saves his job, or misses the tournament and loses his job. Uh, with a couple of days of to to reflect, uh, same feeling. I. Th- think same feeling uh you know i think if they were nine and 11 or 10 and 10 in conference this year and are one of the first teams out uh would he be back potentially would i be fine with that maybe i do think the reality of our schedule and the way the big 10 sets up this year in terms of how strong and how deep it is i don't know that this whole bids for 10 teams thing is going to hold up in the conference. I think there will probably be seven or eight that strongly play their way in maybe one on the bubble. And then a couple that really fall off and, you know, end up with like six or seven conference wins. So I'm not sure barely being on the wrong side of the bubble is, is a realistic scenario. So I do think it's, you know, win and in keep the job, uh, build some momentum get some get the 2020 recruiting going fantastic in-state class um just because you never want to be the the program that has the the guy on the hot seat and it's just sort of an awkward year for for coach patino no extension this past off season you know very reasonable decision by the athletic department with the way the season claps but a lot of stuff that was outside of his control in terms of Reggie Lynch and then the the coffee McBrayer injuries, um, Eric Curry going down before the season started. So, you know, if, if you're an enormous optimist, you say he makes the tournament this year and it's effectively uh, three back-to-back-to-back really strong teams, one of them got ravaged by injury and suspension. If, if you're a pessimist, you say, well, last year he collapsed. The year before, yeah, was a good season, but the year before that, we were horrible too. So there are certainly cases to be made either way. Right now, we look like a bubble team. Nearly every game we play from here on out is against really strong competition. We, the team, and Richard Patino will have every opportunity to play their way into the dance and leave no doubt. Um, and I think, you know, clearly that warrants him continuing to coach the the Minnesota Gophers. We'll have to see how it plays out. Um, the advanced stats don't love us. I think you just have to find a way to get any seven more wins and find your way into the dance. 
we'll see how it unfolds. Well, speaking of uh, uh, plenty of opportunities to play their way into the tournament, uh, they will have that this week with uh, a very tough week. And depending on how this week goes, uh, who knows, maybe we fire up the uh, coach's hot seat uh, alert next week and start talking about if you are of the opinion uh, that uh, that basically Patino is on the hot seat right now, which if you think get in the tournament, saves his job, misses the tournament, uh, loses his job, you have to assume that that does um, sort of put him on the hot seat. Uh, you have to also assume that uh, Mark Coyle, who has been an absolute assassin sniper behind the scenes as far as hiring uh, coaches is concerned, um, you have to assume that he's already uh, putting feelers out there. So uh, I, I would be very curious about uh, what things will go look like going forward, but uh, we'll, we'll leave that to another conversation. The last thing we do want to talk about then um, as far as Gopher basketball is uh, that we do have a tough week coming up. So Gophers face uh, tomorrow night or maybe tonight as you're listening to this uh, number five, Michigan, they are 17 and one on the season. Their one blemish was that they lost to Wisconsin, which we discussed earlier, uh, which uh, for them is incredibly um, unfortunate because if they would have won that game, they would have certainly been the number one team in the country with uh, Duke losing earlier in the week. Um, and then uh, later in the week, uh, next or this Sunday, excuse me, the Gophers take on the 16 and three 19th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. What, uh, what do you expect this week, Jake? And I guess maybe it's a, a tale of two games if you want to break it up a little bit, but uh, uh, Michigan tomorrow night, uh, Iowa later in the week. What uh, what are your expectations? I mean, with respect to the Michigan game, let's let's just transitive property this. We won by seven at the Kohl Center. They lost by ten, so we should be ready for a seventeen point victory, right? That's that's how you it heard it here just, first, folks. No, no need to go any deeper than yep. that and look at the talent on the teams or, or or any other game. Let's just completely base it all all off that. Yeah, um, no. Um, if I were you, uh, if I were a taken all wrong uh, podcast listener, I would go to mybookie.ag right now, and uh, no, I'm not going to make that suggestion. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but yeah, no, I love that. I love that attitude. Yeah. So Michigan is a very, very talented team. Can score the ball with extreme efficiency at the one through five position. So there's going to be no sort of uh, focus on this. It's going to be very different from like a Wisconsin where you just double team Ethan Happ and watch their uh, mediocre shooters brick three after three. There's, you know, you're going to have to play really strong straight up defensively. And then on the other side of the ball, they're, they're a really solid defensive team as well. So it's not like in Illinois where they're going all out to force turnovers. They stay in front of you and, and make you shoot really well to beat them. Um, I think the last team I said that a about was Nebraska and we were able to beat Nebraska at home behind a heroic effort from Amir coffee. Uh, but you know, Michigan is very much a, a rich man's Nebraska. If that's the comparison, they're uh, more talented. They're really well coached. Uh, Beeline has earned his reputation as one of the best coaches in the country. And so going there when they're coming off a loss and, and eager to get back on track, uh, that's going to be a, a very, very difficult game. If you have dinner plans, the, the game's at 6, so if you have dinner plans at like 7.30, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, I would say the goal for this week is to go 1-1 one and, one and beat a, a top 20 Iowa team uh, in the barn on Sunday. That's going to be a really important game, another one of those opportunities to, to grab a huge victory. And Iowa's a little bit hot and cold. They chuck threes. Um, some games they make a lot of them against Illinois. They made over 70% of their threes. Uh, some games they go cold. They almost lost to Penn State a, a week ago, which we're very familiar with. Um, so, you know, I think that's one where if we show up, get a great weekend atmosphere in the barn, play really solid defense and, and sort of play to our strengths in terms of pounding the ball down low and, 
getting twos and free throws, we have a chance to to pull off what I guess would technically be an upset and, and make this a one in one week, which would be the goal. Well, that would be good. I think, uh, you know, Michigan now has dropped to number five. Maybe they're uh, angry coming out of uh, that loss to Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. Um, you know, definitely uh, always good to beat a border rival uh, in a team like Iowa. So uh, if we were, could go one and one this week, um, that would be fantastic. Well, uh, definitely uh, appreciate your thoughts. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, on go for basketball, Jake. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for us. As we say around here, clink them and drink them. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. As always, we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you sharing the podcast with your friends and family through tweets, retweets, email, uh, Instagram, carrier pigeon, however you choose to, uh, share such things. We definitely appreciate it. It all helps. And as always, if you listen to us on iTunes or any other podcast platform, we'd love for you to give us a rating. So for West Coast Jake, for Stepper, I am J.D. Mill. Jeffrick is not here to tell us, but I will fill in for him and say stay classy and go Gophers and remind you to row the boat and sky you mind. Thank you.